Hey there. Welcome to The Deeper Podcast, a podcast that's all about how we live lives that unleash courageous love in not only big ways, but in the small ways that spiral out and make a difference in our lives and the lives of those around us. I'm Reverend Sean, one of your hosts. And today we're in our Make Room series, and today we're focusing on waiting. Now, if any of you have children, you'll you'll probably be with me when I say that children are some of the most impatient beings on the face of the planet. I mean, they can't wait for anything. Everything needs to happen right now, especially at times when it's inconvenient for you. And yet this weekend, I stumbled on something quite remarkable. I was watching my middle schooler and another kid patiently wait for over an hour without complaining. I I was stunned that they were so placid, so content to wait. And I don't know how we use this to our advantage. But what happened was we, they were setting up their video game and their video game needed to update. And the update was going to take about 45 minutes to download. And so they just kind of sat there waiting. So I don't know if we tell them that whatever we need them to be patient for is just updating or something, but it seems like we might have stumbled on something meaningful to help the wait. Maybe it's just that the expectation was too good. Or that dopamine hit of the video games was going to be so great that they were content just waiting. But it was, it was remarkable. And I think there might be something in here if we get some scientists on it. I, I'd love to hear your hacks for helping develop some patience. Not only in your children, but in yourself. Because we definitely live in a culture in which now is the time that things should happen. Two-day deliveries our expectations for solving problems that are complex and generational. We want them to solve now. We're not a very patient people. And yet, as Gretchen is going to share about in her message, patience and how we wait may be actually one of the most important postures that we adopt that can make room for the world to change, even as we wait for it to happen. So I'm going to turn it over to her to share a little bit more about what that means. Most of you now know the story of Moses, either from this church or another church, or maybe from Charlton Heston. Moses, that is that great savior of the Hebrew people. Moses, the leader. Moses, the deliverer. Or as I have come to think of him, Moses, the waiter. I mean, his life was pretty action-packed at times, of course. He was adopted into wealth by the Pharaoh's daughter because his mother realized she couldn't afford to feed him. And then as he grew up, he uh, had an encounter with a bush that was on fire but not burning. And he woke up from this, this experience and realized that his life of luxury was built on the oppression of his own people. And so he became an activist, as we do when we wake up, and he led his people to freedom and the promised land. Now, Moses, of course, as many of us think about Moses, we we think this is his purpose, his life's work. 
except that on the other side of the Red Sea, instead of the land of milk and honey, he and his people find themselves in the vast desert wilderness, where the great reward consisted mostly of thirst and hunger, homelessness and insecurity, groundlessness and grumbling, so much grumbling. He knew that God would find a way to bring them all to the promised land. He just didn't know when. The community begged Moses to take them back to Egypt. I mean, surely, surely slavery was better than starving. But Moses said, wait. Over and over again, he faced their grumbling and their fears. And he said, wait. Have faith. Have patience. Trust. We're in this together. Wait. And so he waited. They waited. 40 years they waited. Moses' brother died and they waited. A generation passed and they were still waiting, wandering their world, the wilderness, just, just waiting. And finally, God called to Moses. It was time. He brought him to the mountaintop and he showed them the land. And he said, go ahead, you know, the people can go right away. But just Moses, weren't they? You're not coming. You were faithful. You did everything I asked. You were patient and persisted. You put up with the grumbling for years. And that, that was your purpose. It was not to see the promised land. It was to wait in the in-between. Moses' purpose was to be there for his people, staying put and waiting. This Sunday in the Christian tradition marks the third Sunday in Advent. This period leading up to Christmas Day is a time of intentional expectant waiting. It is a time where we make space for the ways that we are in our lives like Moses. We are made to wait. We wait in all parts of our life and at every stage. Babies wait to walk. Teenagers wait to drive. We wait for love at all ages, sometimes multiple times. If we have children, we wait for them to sleep. And then later when they're teenagers, we wait for them to come home. We wait for the dream job. And then later we wait for retirement. We wait for our friend to text back. We wait for the doctor to call. We wait for grief to move through us, for healing to happen, for justice to come. Regular life is filled with waiting. And since the pandemic, it seems that now waiting is life. When the shutdown first happened, we waited to flatten the curve. It was intense, but also it was purposeful and communal. Waiting is not a solo act, even though we often experience it as solitary, personal, intimate, which this tends to increase our sense of it, the way it makes us vulnerable and afraid. So that then waiting can end up feeling divisive or isolating. We need company in our waiting so that we can feel the ways that we are all connected in this universal human experience. I mean, look at the story of Mary, pregnant with Jesus, going to her older cousin, Elizabeth, so that they could uh, share in their amazing pregnancies 
together. That anticipation, that waiting. I tried to imagine how lonely each of them would have been without the other, how much anxiety they would each be holding, how isolating that might have been. Elizabeth worried for her age, Mary worried for her interesting pregnancy, by which I mean, of course, that she was unmarried. But being in the waiting together transformed their questioning to compassion. It takes a certain courage to invite another person to join us in our waiting. But when we do, it can be such a gift to bear witness to each other's in each other in life's in-between is to offer each other a glimpse of our shared humanity. All of us connected in this thread of the hoped for, but not yet. Writer and minister Holly Whitcomb invites us to consider something we are feeling like we are waiting for, and then consider the state of our heart in that waiting. Get honest with ourselves, she writes, about what's really going on in your heart. Consider the pain and the, the fear and also the hope and the longing. Consider the impatience, whatever is going on in there that's being stirred up in this waiting. And then bring to mind someone else who you imagine shares the waiting that you are experiencing. Even if you have to conjure them up entirely, trust that there is at least one other person in this world who is waiting in the same way you are. And then imagine what is going on in their heart. And then imagine, then allow compassion to grow in your heart through this connection. This is the opportunity of shared waiting, the gift of shared waiting, but it can go the other direction as we have now seen for so long. Instead of connecting us, waiting can be the thing that inspires us to greater division. In place of compassion, we find cruelty and blame and indifference. My daughter, who is now 16, has just started her first official job. You can go say hello at Wing Shack on LeMay, and as long as you don't mention me, she probably won't die of embarrassment. She's only starting, so I don't know if she's yet experienced just how much rage waiting can inspire in people, but it'll happen in time, I'm sure. I waited tables all through high school and some of college. It was a career that I was not so skilled at, uh, which meant that I got really familiar with how uncomfortable waiting is for people and how willing they are to set aside their humanity and yours to express just how much they want it to end. As we have seen in the last two years, some people would rather declare this pandemic and all of science a hoax that lived with the sustained waiting that this time has required. Which makes sense. I mean, not that science is a hoax, of course, but that people would be struggling so much with the waiting. Our culture prioritizes the quick fix, the impulse buy satisfied by free two-day delivery. Mystery rarely stands in casual conversation these days when the answers can be summoned as quickly as we can say, hey Siri, or hey Google. Waiting seems nonsensical, inefficient, even silly. I mean, we can post that comment or forward that email, watch that series or order that meal, refresh the news headline, call for an Uber, have a ready-made opinion about everything. Quick fixes 
feels so good. Literally, the click of the internet stimulates dopamine in our brain that can be highly addictive. You keep coming back for that fast input that gives you a sense of knowing and resolution and control. I've realized, I confess, that my own need for new input is sometimes so strong I have to set a timer for myself, right? For so I can write or do other sustained work without accidentally checking my messages or social media or getting up to get a cup of tea or a snack. Because otherwise, as soon as I start to work, all of these other things seem urgent. Like I cannot wait. So I set my timer for an hour and I shut everything else off. And I tell myself to stay put, to be present to the task that is right in front of me and just, just, just wait. To be honest, sometimes waiting through that hour is torture. I can get angry and anxious and not by myself. <laughs> Sometimes I have to set the timer instead for 30 minutes. Waiting puts us in touch with our illusions about control. We have to accept that we cannot make something happen. We cannot fix or change everything. Waiting requires us to stay present in our discomfort without being able to do anything about it. And if you say you like that feeling or even are kind of pretty neutral about it, I don't believe you. It's really hard and even painful to stay present to discomfort, especially over time. Even those of us who accept the pandemic and science that are both real get the appeal of declaring we're done. I mean, it's, it's, it's over. We've waited long enough, especially in this moment of the pandemic where it is, it is not even clear what we are now waiting for. I mean, we were waiting for the vaccine and then we were waiting for the vaccine rollout and then we were waiting for children to get the vaccine and then we were waiting for boosters, but all these things happened. So we are living in this time of such intense transition and we now wait for an unknown future to emerge. Like we are waiting for the world to change. And that, that seems like it could be a very long wait. The waiting of this moment invites a radical patience where we must refrain from rushing or reacting and instead allow ourselves to just be fully present to the present. Be fully present to the present, to the feelings that are coming up at any given moment, even when that experience is torture, especially, probably especially then. Henry Nowen talks about true patience. It's not just an experience of letting things happen and being fine with it, like a, like a passive act. He said, true patience is actually about a more active engagement with life. He said, patience is the ability to see and hear and touch and taste and smell as fully as possible, to enter our lives as fully as possible. It is the counterpoint to fleeing or fighting. It is the staying put. In the great arc of time that Sean spoke about last Sunday, waiting is a given. But how we wait is up to us. We can wait in a way that divides and disconnects, or we can allow our waiting to grow our compassion and our mutual care. 
Our waiting can make us angry and anxious, seeking whatever distraction will disassociate us from the discomfort, or our waiting can bring us more fully into our own lives and to our life itself. We give so much attention to the thing that we are waiting for, but the waiting itself has its own wisdom, its own lessons, and its own gifts. We can choose to wait on purpose. Knowing that as Gertrude Mueller Nelson says, nothing of value comes into being without a period of quiet incubation. Not a healthy baby, not a loving relationship, not a reconciliation, a new understanding, a work of art, never a transformation. All progress passes through stages of instability and stagnation. And as Holly Whitcomb writes, sometimes life's initial no is actually a prelude to a bigger yes. So bring to mind those things where right now in your life, you are craving resolution. Places where you, you wanted to push for movement or literative, literally or figuratively, you've tried to move too fast after something has been broken, making healing not just harder, but sometimes causing worse damage. And also think of the state of our democracy, the state of the pandemic, all of these things that bring so much anxiety and desire to just do something to end the waiting. There are, of course, times where action is the faithful response, where action is the thing would bring us into greater participation with the movement of love, where waiting would actually be to conspire with injustice. And also there are times where the more faithful response is to just wait. To accept the moment as an in-between stage where much is germinating and gestating. To know that we cannot skip such a stage and really we should not want to. For here we can also find these gifts, these gifts of connection and compassion, hope and trust. Here we can feel ourselves a part of that longer arc of time. Just simply apart. Here we can ask ourselves how we can help feed this growing time, this simmering moment, how we can wait in a way that is not just waiting for the world to change. We can wait in a way so that the world can change. Almost exactly one year ago, December 2020, my colleague Karen Gustafson, she shared a story about her daughter, Sarah. Sarah is a healthcare worker who had been quarantined for some weeks after her um, from, from her family, from her children, after an outbreak at the facility where she worked. And her youngest, her youngest child was really struggling with this separation and just wanted to snuggle with his mom. He couldn't wait anymore. So Sarah said to him, listen, listen to me. Feel everything that you are feeling right now. Feel it and remember how it feels. When I come home, we're going to have so many snuggles and it's going to be so great to be together. And a month after I'm home, we're going to be climbing the walls and be sick of being together at times. And when we are, we will need to remember this, this longing in this waiting. So our job right now is just 
to feel it. A year ago, last December, so many of us were waiting to see people we loved. We were waiting to gather in any way with others. We were waiting for hugs. We were waiting to have in-person church services. We had no options for Christmas Eve in-person services. It was all online. We were all apart. There is so much about this year that is hard. There's so much that is, is stressful. And maybe by now we've been together enough that we're sick of each other at times. And of course, we are still waiting in so many ways. But in the middle of all this, we can also remember last year and all that we felt, all that longing and that waiting. And we can remember there the love that connects us, how much we love this community, this time, our families, our lives. And then we can allow this waiting to bring us to gratitude. Let us give thanks especially in this season of Advent and these final days before the solstice, let us welcome in waiting for all of its gifts and its wisdom. Let us be, this be a time where we commit ourselves to staying put and being present to life more fully, being present to life as it is right now. The wilderness in which we wander, the patience that our lives require, the radical patience and the relentless waiting, feel all the feelings. And let us be present also to life as it longs to be. The possibilities that are emerging even now in this pregnant dark. May it be so and amen. Waiting is a given, but how we wait well, that's up to us. I love that phrase. Waiting is a given, but how we wait is up to us because I am not great at waiting. I want things to be fixed right away. And the discomfort of not being able to do anything about something is sometimes too much for me. So if you're one of those people like me that struggles with patience, struggles with waiting, I offer this prayer for you and for me. Spirit of life, we wait. We wait expectantly for the answers to unanswerable questions to reveal themselves. We wait for fear to dissipate, for life to return to normal, for us to feel the courage to take that next step without fear. We wait for love to reign, for compassion to emerge from every one of our interactions, each words of our mouths, each actions of our neighbors. We wait for so many things. Sometimes impatiently, sometimes passively, sometimes fearfully, most of the time expectantly. Spirit of life, as we wait, let our posture of rigid expectation soften. So we are not simply waiting for the world to change around us, but we wait in a way that allows the world to change. Unlocking the true patience which does not resign itself to a fantasy of a world that might never exist while foregoing the one that does. Help us to stay put and enter our lives as fully as possible. 
so that we might find in the waiting true joy that we might witness the beautiful brokenness of this life incomplete and yet whole so we might in our waiting let go of our grasp and be a part of a movement of change that we might not have even imagined was possible or expected to come true. Spirit of life, as we wait, help us in our waiting. Amen and blessed be. That was Christopher Watkins Lamb singing Joy by Tracy Thorne, a beautiful cover. 
Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join this week's episode of The Deeper Pod. It would mean a lot to us if you could go and leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Doing that really helps people discover the podcast while they're typing in their keywords to Google. But maybe even more important than that, I invite you to share this podcast with someone that you think it might touch in a meaningful way. If there's anyone in your life you think would resonate with the big questions we're wrestling with over here, send them a link and just spread the word. We're so glad that you've joined us for this time. Thank you.